0: Jesse Kelly here. If given the choice between financial stress or peace of mind, I will always choose peace of mind. In today's world filled with inflation worry, bank closures, market instability, and the current global economic environment, peace of mind is everything to me. That's why I have secured gold and silver from Oxford Gold Group. Having precious metals in your home safe or in your 401k slash IRA should be considered for your investment strategy. Simply put, it's a portfolio protection plan. Whether you are a savvy investor, or you are just curious how gold and silver can help you gain peace of mind, call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver is as easy as 1-2-3. One app, one call, and you pick your precious metals. That's it. You now own real precious metals just like I do. Call Oxford Gold today and ask about exclusive free bonus opportunities. Call 833-901-COIN. 833-901-COIN. That's 833 coin
1: He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning, they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB.
2: All right. Good morning, radio world. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. It's 11 o'clock on Saturday, and as always, we're going to talk about cars everything about cars anything about cars you bring it up you call me 558-1110 and we'll talk about cars for the next hour only that's what we do here on the Mr. Mechanic show we are Buchanan Service Centers 50th and Dodge 80th and Dodge guaranteed brakes 49th Avenue and Dodge we're on Dodge Street that's why you never see cars broke down no yeah with me today is Carl good morning we're 50th and Dodge You got the crew on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Pretty slow week going, coming into the day. I was hoping that something big would happen, that I'd have some exciting story to talk about, you know, some war story from under the hood and found the problem. And then we look back and we're like, wow, why didn't we just look at that before? But anyway,
3: a little bit of air conditioner stuff going on.
2: It is that season, you know. It's Spring has kind of been really hit or miss. You know, we'll get a couple days that, you know, everybody's kind of starting to kick these air compressors on and yeah. seeing what's working, what's not. Hey, but
3: It's not cold over here.
2: You know, <laughs> springtime is kind of a hard time to read air conditioning, you know, because in the mornings, I mean, this morning was fairly brisk, you know, 47 yeah. degrees. So great. And then... You know, by the afternoon, we get, you know, a couple, two, three hours. uh, You know, we might see 70s or 80s. We're not really putting these air conditioning systems to the test yet. Nope. So, I mean, if there's any issue you might think you have, now is the time to bring it up, bring it into the shop. Let's get it looked at now because...
3: Before the season gets here.
2: You know, Nebraska weather kind of has a way of just kicking the chair out from underneath us and going from (laughs) weather like this to, okay, now we're going to be 97 for the next two weeks straight. Yep. And then we really get inundated with air conditioning. And then, you know, because the average air conditioning system, if i got to replace the whole system, I mean, you're talking a day or better in some cases. I mean, this week I've got one planned, you know, that'll be probably a whole day we got to take the entire dash out of a jeep yep and the air conditioning system works just fine on one side of the dash but the other side not so good we're blowing you know about 160 degrees one side 50 on the other
3: and the (laughs) unfortunately it's where the driver sits and he doesn't like that 160.
2: isn't that wild
3: (laughs) (laughs) he did in the winter time but
2: yeah Throw some wet towels on the vent. you got a pretty good sauna going in there. <laughs> yeah, a little hot and cold. <laughs> clean out the pores. There you go. So, yeah, get those air conditioning systems looked at. I want to get every one of them working. I'm trying to, you know, i got a goal to make sure every car in Nebraska has good working air. I don't know if I'll reach it this year or not, but I'll keep you updated.
3: Give it our best shot.
2: Yeah. And air conditioning is something, you know, looking back on old cars, I've restored plenty of old cars, and I work on quite a few of them. None of them really have air conditioning.
3: There's a few, The first few were in the back deck.
2: Yeah, back in the 50s. That was an add-on. It was a yeah. big trunk unit and had these two <laughs> clear tubes that went up the back. <laughs> yep. And just kind of blew frosty air on you. I mean, going back into... Somewhere in my collection of car parts, I've got a very early primitive air conditioning system that consisted of a tube that you hang on the window (laughs) and you put a block of dry ice in it and drive down the road and it blows cold air on you.
3: The window comes through the dry ice. and Yeah. (laughs) How fun is that? It's
2: something. I didn't even know what it was for like the first three or four years I had it. It was just kicking around a pile and then finally I was... It was made by Firestone, and it's called a Thermador.
3: I'll be darned.
2: If you want to look that up, I mean, it's pretty, you see them, they become popular among the old car group. I mean, people just hang them there. They don't ever use them. But once in a while, if you're at a show and you see some round cylinder hanging above a passenger window, that's what that is. I'll be darned. So we've come a long way. I mean, this morning I did a compressor on a, Fairly new Toyota Tacoma.
3: What's wrong with that one? This
2: is becoming more of a an issue because you know, back, you know, ten years ago the whole compressor just shell out. But now this one came in, there was no rubber left in the clutch on the front of it. Ah. So you got this clutch plate that's just essentially flopping around and then, you know, your coil inside the pulley. Would apply power to it, create a magnet, pull the clutch in, turn the compressor. Couldn't do that. So we end up putting a new compressor on it. You know, back years ago, you would be able just to pull that clutch off of there, put a new one on, be done with it. Yep. On down the road. Fairly straightforward repair. You know, around here, it was kind of tougher because they all rusted. But they don't offer that to us anymore.
3: Did a lot of it back in the 70s.
2: Yeah. And... I'm sure all the older mechanics have that AC clutch service kit in their toolbox (laughs) that sees no Uh, use anymore.
3: I've got a few carburetor tools left.
2: That's another thing that is slowly fading away is carburetors. Even in the performance and aftermarket stuff, you know, the hot rod catalogs. You used to have, you know, five, six, seven pages of carburetors. You could get any carburetor you wanted in a performance line or an aftermarket line or even get new ones. And now they're kind of going away.
3: Pushing fuel injection.
2: They're pushing fuel injection. And they're making these setups to where you just bolt on where your carburetor went, run a couple powers and grounds, and you've got this handheld computer in your hand and you program it however you want. And they're somewhat affordable; they're coming down in price, but I'm seeing more and more of those at the car shows every week. Somebody's putting a new one on and I mean to be honest with you, unless you got a really small air cleaner, you can't tell the difference. You don't know that it's under there. They're really easy to hide so another thing that's changing in our world,
3: yeah,
2: and
3: used to have to rebuild a carburetor if you let it sit like that, you rebuild it every other year
2: mm-hmm so and now I mean with the way gasoline's going, how clean it is. I mean, I haven't really taken any of my carburetors apart because I don't really want to do research on that unless I have to.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know how many, like, are they leaving the same deposits when that fuel dries, you know, with our newer, cleaner gas than, you know, say yeah. back in the day.
3: <laughs> yeah, because first ethanol they did not like carburetor gaskets.
2: No. Gaskets, accelerator pumps, any of that stuff would yeah. just eat right through it. Then you get a hole. Then you get no acceleration. You got fuel
3: flooding over. Or it's not supposed to.
2: And now we're going to electric cars. And I was reading a small article last night about, oh, somewhere around 1908, Detroit Electric put out an electric car. Didn't go terribly fast. I think 18, 20 miles an hour. But was able to make it. I think its record voyage was... 211 miles on a single charge.
3: Wow. That's pretty good back then.
2: Yeah. And to think about it, I mean, going 18 to 20 miles an hour, that took them quite a while to go 200 miles.
3: Yeah. But back then, there were still a lot of horses. How fast did they go?
2: Mm, I don't know. I mean, I've watched some cowboy shows back in the day. I mean, they were trucking quite a long. I mean, you fall off one of them because we've all seen that gunfight scene where the guy's (laughs) running full bore into the battle and gets hit and falls off the horse. and
3: Drug another half mile.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, in watching the little video of this car in action, I mean, you could probably get out, jog beside it for a while, get back in and steer it. (laughs) But yeah, that was the world. And now we're back full circle to electric cars and Tesla's. You know, they're kind of leading the pack as far as that goes. But I mean, we've got Toyota, Mercedes, BMW, Ford. Pretty much every yeah. manufacturer yeah. is gearing their manufacturing line to go electric. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here after the break. So if you got any input on that, please give us a call. Somebody call. Somebody's gotta call us here. Five five eight eleven ten. We've got a bunch of open lines. All right. We'll be back right after this. Now, this is a story all about how my wrenches got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I changed the oil on a Chevy Bel-Air. On the west side of a dirty garage In a 2014 Mitsubishi Mirage I was chillin' out, maxin', lubin' some gears When I saw a couple of dudes who were up in the years When these old dudes pulled into the station smelling like ginger cream, prunes, and bacon They said pull up your pants and let you ready to tussle Or maybe take a look at some American muscle They pulled out at maybe 7 or 8 And I headed home thinking, man, that was great A couple old dudes without any
0: hair Let me work on a 57 Chevy Bel Air
2: All right, we are back. Mr. Mechanic Show 5581110 KFAB. All right, let's jump right into the calls. You guys listen to me. We got callers. Let's go to Tim. Tim's got an electric car question. Tim, go ahead.
4: Hey there. How
1: you doing? Great. So, so like a Tesla, what's what's the new set of battery packs cost for a brand new Tesla nowadays? Do you have any idea?
2: Well, I've heard a lot of different things, you know there's so much talk going around about them. I mean something like that. I mean the average price that I've heard is you know twenty thirty thousand
1: right and what's the what's the lifespan on those seven years maybe
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we've gotten a full analysis of what the lifespan yeah. is because they're kind of. New to the game. Um,
1: Right. And just, if they're 30,000 now in seven years, they're going to be twice that much.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, the thing with a Tesla is that a lot of people don't realize the battery is the floor of the car. Right. So, to replace this, I mean, you're dismantling the automobile. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. I've not read any manuals or how-tos on how they take these apart because... I mean, I don't. Our shop isn't. Yeah, going I mean, there's going to be if that. they
1: only have a seven year, eight year lifespan. When they're five years old, they're going to have zero resale if anybody. Oh yeah, is looking absolutely. Them. And I mean, they'll be good for like, um, like soil erosion. You can put them in the ditch to keep the hill from. Oh yeah, yeah. Plenty <laughs> of
2: old cars met their fate that way. Yeah. But uh, I know. <laughs> I haven't heard any talk because I mean, if you remember back years and years ago when the first Prius came out. I was kind of just getting into this field you know early 2000s and you know everybody was like oh it's a hybrid car an electric car this and that and nobody knew anything well, about we, it because yeah. they were the first at least ones. that
1: one still had it at least that one still had a gas motor in it correct know? yeah yeah
2: and that battery that was in that car they only lasted about three years and back then I mean that was like a twelve thousand dollar replacement. And yeah, everybody was just giving up on the car. So Toyota went ahead and issued like a lifetime free replacement on that particular battery. And eventually, you know, the cars went the way that the cars do and died off. But, you know, that's what yeah. they had to do to, you know, really push people to it was to offer that. And I mean, I think the the first few models, they might've ended up taking it in the shorts a little bit, but I mean, after that, they seem to really right. get it yep. down. And nowadays, they're a go to for, you know, gas hybrids. You know, they're the front runner in it. But, I mean, trials and tribulations we learn from our mistakes.
1: Yeah. I think I'll stick with my 7.3 Power Stroke right here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: there you go. Yep. All right, Tim. Thanks a million. All right. Let's head over to Nick. Nick's got a question about EVs, too. Nick, go ahead.
5: Yeah, can you hear me.
2: Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. So I, I was kind of curious. So I've heard, um, like on the Tesla model, I don't know about any other fully electric, but you know, you're 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 running electric, so you're not um, you're not paying fuel tax because you're not buying any diesel or gasoline. But mm-hmm. so I've i heard I've heard a guy talk about on the Teslas um, that you know, <laughs> let's say you buy a fifty thousand dollar Tesla or whatever the number is, you know, you go in to, to license it the first year. Yes. Let's say you're paying 5,000 bucks. Mhm. Um what 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 I've heard is that you pay that $5,000 for 10 years because you're not paying any road tax drive on the road. I don't know if you guys have heard anything on that, any electric vehicle for that matter.
2: Yeah, it's just, yeah, we have. Um oh, it's going back a few months ago, we had a caller with this same question actually and an, another caller called us back that owns a Tesla and yeah, there's I'm not sure exactly what how long the period is of this road tax payment but there is additional licensing fees that you take care of at the dmv to cover that okay. i know that but i'm not sure of the oh. longevity
4: of it
5: Gotcha. okay okay yeah i just i, I get a lot i work in a dealership and i get a lot of questions on electric vehicles oh, sure. and, and uh you know it, it, it's kind of you know you never really know the answer but you just like anything you know i mean you don't you know you got to know your your cost up front, and I don't think the, that anybody tells anybody the cost up front
2: yeah, there's probably no. a fair amount of that that's left in the dark, but I mean, yeah, there is oh. a payment that you that the d m v requires for road maintenance stuff like that,
5: okay, okay, so,
2: yeah, you. I can't help you on the longevity of it though I yep. mean it may no, be five no, years
5: I, was, I yeah i was just I was kind of curious, and uh so sure. yeah well awesome well good, well, thanks for the call.
2: Yeah, you got it. All right. Yeah, EVs—they're coming around. So I mean, a lot of this stuff is kind of—we kind of figure out as we go, yeah. you know. And we don't see a lot of them here at our stations.
3: Kind of just reminds me of the buyer beware. You know, he do, if you don't ask enough questions. Oh yeah. You know, and you get burned on some things.
2: You know, I've heard some stories from other customers that, you know, when they buy an EV, I mean. They make it pretty much a hassle-free deal. I mean, their dealerships are incredibly small, and they deliver right to your house. And, I mean, this one particular person I was talking to about it, I mean, they were kind of left absolutely in the dark. The guy came and dropped off a car, and, you know, they're like, well, I have some questions. Well,
3: here's the car. Yep. (laughs) There's your manual. Yeah,
2: I mean, (laughs) your owner's manual, I mean, we have – I mean, in most cars, we have a book in the glove box that will yeah. answer most any question you have about the car. Well, nowadays, I mean, they just have a QR code. You don't have a book.
3: You scan it. and <laughs> <coughs>
2: Yeah, and I mean, this particular person's Take working sure. with a flip phone, nonetheless, and <laughs> the QR codes aren't really helping them. So. No. Yeah, I mean, that's just one story. I'm sure there's a million great stories about these cars. But let's head to Larry. Larry's got a 95 F350. You're about as Far away from an EV as can be, Larry. What what do you no got No conversion going on? for
3: that.
4: Yeah, um, EVs won't have this problem. I've got a problem. <laughs> My friend's got an F three hundred and fifty with. Uh, uh, he's, he gets uh, a vapor lock on hot summer days, above mm-hmm. ninety degrees. You know you know how to address that.
2: What kind of fuel is he using? Let's start there. Is he using ethanol I'm not gas? Sure.
4: Probably. I, I can only
2: assume 87 octane. Okay. Ethanol gas is far more prone to vapor lock than, say, like a like a non-ethanol any line. For what reason? I mean, that alcohol that's in the ethanol, I mean, it's going to vaporize before the gas. Much quicker. Um, as far as, is there a problem with his vehicle? I mean, a 95 Ford, unless he's moved fuel lines or anything or has a huge exhaust leak that's blowing onto his fuel lines. I mean, there should be no other reason for it. That's a fuel-injected high-pressure system. So, I mean, maybe just start with what kind of fuel he's using in the summertime. He may want to switch to a non-ethanol or even a premium-grade fuel. Try that to start with. Okay. That would be the first thing that I would do. Then, yep. after that, you know, if he's still having that issue, I would look into is his fuel supply good enough? Is he getting enough pressure and volume at the rail? That would be my next step, but that's kind of a further down the road kind of thing okay, hopefully that answers your question, but yeah, have him kind of kind of see what fuel he's using. start there
4: <laughs> okay yeah I'm, I'm- I've got the uh, ninety model SHO. <coughs> hey, you wouldn't have to have some uh some old scanners and stuff you want to sell that'll look at the ABS brakes and the airbag blinking light and stuff like that. <laughs> and what in what year vehicle? Ninety model at SHO Taurus.
2: Oh, okay. So that's still OBD one, very early yeah. stuff. Um boy, there's not a lot of that stuff that survived. No. <coughs> I think I've got one of the old snap-on scanners in my garage at home, and it comes on half the time, and sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not that I ever really – I mean, I'm sure you could get on eBay and find something that would work, or um, depending on where you're at, are you here in the city?
4: No, I'm down in southern Kansas.
2: Oh, okay.
3: <clears throat> I don't remember the way, but there is a way to manually bypass the uh ALDL connector and it'll flash your light. Yeah, you get a paper clip and
2: bridge like pin 6 and 12 or something, and it'll flash. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of reading on that. Um, But as far as actually a handheld, the best thing to do is go to a shop, ask them who their snap-on tool dealer is. Get his phone number because I'm sure that he has a garage full of them if he's been around for any amount of time.
3: Took him in on trade. He'll ever use when he can sell you.
2: Yeah, the part number was like MS1000. It's this red brick looking, they called it a red brick scanner. But yeah, that can plug into it. But yeah, find a snap on tool dealer or even eBay. You can find them on there refurbished. Well,
4: thanks, sir.
2: Yep, you got it, Larry. All right, we got to take a quick break here on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558 1110 are the numbers to get in. We'll be back. All right, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show, 558-1110 five, five, are those numbers to get in. All right, we got a full bank of calls here. I think we better get after them. we got the last part of our show here coming up, so let's head to Tom. Tom's got a 2006 GMC Savannah van. Tom, what do you got for us?
6: Hello. Yes, uh, it's a 6-liter engine. Okay. I called a while ago about uh, random misfire code, just the occasional Okay. Uh, code would come up, and they used to all suggested that I uh, buy a, one of those diagnostic tools, and so that's what I did. And so okay. now I have some numbers. <laughs> sure. Uh, I got, like, uh, it cap very seldom, but when the, the light was flashing, I did a check, and the, uh, Cylinder 1 because about uh, 5,700 uh, misses. Cylinder 5 had about 400 Cylinder six had about fourteen thousand eight hundred. Cylinder eight had around eight hundred and fifty, and the fuel trims were a little goofed up. Sure. And and, uh, so, oops, I'm not sure if I'm hearing you.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm here. I'm just listening (laughs) away. Okay.
6: okay, So the uh, the the bank one fuel trim was point seven eight one, and bank two was minus point seven eight one. Mm-hmm. And then I did, and then I did freeze frame data. Okay. And uh, the long term fuel trim was eight point six about, and then bank two was six point three. Okay. Short term was short short term short term was five point five on bank one and zero on bank two.
2: Okay. So the uh, fuel trim seems to be in line for me. I'm not going to worry about my fuel supply seeing numbers like that now if my numbers were plus or minus say 25 then oh, okay i'm getting a fuel gauge on that thing right away i want to know do i have high pressure do i have low pressure do i have no pressure um 25 is kind of its threshold for fuel trim now in your freeze frame data what was the engine temperature is the engine warmed up when this happens or is it cold yes yeah.
6: In fact, the only time I've ever seen light come on is the engines warmed up. The freeze frame said 194 degrees.
2: Okay, so you're warmed up. It, you're trucking. All right. And a
6: 40, 46% engine load, just another little bit of numbers.
2: Okay. So it's, it's about, have, and, you, have you taken the spark plugs out of this engine, look at them, see what they look like?
6: Not just recently. I replaced all the spark plugs, and this had happened occasionally before. And replaced mm. plugs and wires and coils, and uh, nothing really changed. And I've never I've never heard any kind of missing or sputtering ever and all. And before changing spark plugs or after.
2: Okay, so you change your plugs and now it's fine, or now you no still, no you, I, you still it, have it still
6: it still does occasional have that misfire.
2: Okay, and okay, so an occasional misfire that's putting up. 8,000-plus misfires per cycle.
6: Um, I was doing some looking online, and one of the questions I have is about the uh, uh, crankshaft position sensor.
2: Okay. That was going to be where I was going to go. Oh. Uh, So that basically tells each cylinder where to fire. There's no distributor in this vehicle. So it goes off of that sensor and it's kind of not in a good place it's behind the starter on that and it's a rarity but i've seen where somebody'll get in there screw a new starter in there knock that harness off and then you've got a harness that's rubbing on your starter housing and can ground out your signal wire i mean any time i've seen it the car's come in not running at all and you got a code for a crankshaft circuit but i'm not ruling that out i'm definitely going to get down there and put an eye on it you know or in my case i'm going to plug my scope into it and drive the car down the road and see what that does um have you ever put intake manifold gaskets on this vehicle no okay that's kind of i mean with those fuel trims the way that they are that's kind of off and left field to me but What I'm going to want to do first on your car is, one, get a scope pattern of that crank sensor. Or, you know, in your case, you can go down there and look at it if those wires are still in their harness and still connected. Way to go. Let's keep going with it. But I want to look at the mass airflow sensor a little bit and the air boot. Is there anything stuck on this mass airflow sensor, a piece of grass or something that might have snuck through the air filter? A little
3: bit of lint, yeah.
2: Okay. (laughs) You know... Can you, you know, is your air filter quality good or is it pulling stuff through there randomly? Can maybe cause an issue like that. Normally that would affect fuel trim, but I'm not going to rule it out. I'm definitely going to take a look at it. And thirdly is the coolant temp sensor. You know, let's look at anything air and fuel wise, because that's what we're down to air and fuel. If you've got a new ignition setup, we can kind of rule that out. So let's kind of start there, kind of get a visual on anything. Does your air intake boot have a hole in it? You know, again, fuel trims would kind of shadow that. You know, you got a hole in an air boot. I'm going to see plus 25. But let's kind of take a look at it. Are you hitting the gas and something's changing? Oh, I see. Yes, okay. So let's kind of um, get a look at that maybe going forward. How often does this happen? Well, it
6: when on road trips, it used to happen very regularly. Like I'd get like 70 miles an hour and accelerate a little bit, and it would happen. And then, it, and then uh, oh, oh, seem several months ago, now it would kind of start happening at 65 miles an hour. Sure. Uh, but around town, it happens. Well, it, happens, it happened probably twice in the last month, and that's the most it's ever happened around town. Because normally, it'd be like six, seven, okay. eight months between.
2: So, not often um right the only other thing that kind of comes to mind is gm has like an adaptive fuel learn that we have to do quite often in some cars and we see it sometimes when somebody gets a new car that maybe the person's been running premium in it and then they switch to ethanol gas it'll throw the system way off and there's wow you know, in our scanner, I have an option to reset the ethanol content of the fuel. <laughs> and, you know, it'll make them do funny things like that. So, I mean, maybe just kind of try disconnecting the battery for a little while. Unhook the cables for a half hour, walk away, go cut the grass, hook them back up. Okay.
6: Because yeah, with <laughs> as
2: sporadic as this is, I mean, there's going to be a fair amount of trial and error. So let's start with the cheap stuff.
6: Okay. Yeah, good point. I see.
2: So maybe give that a shot. See how it goes. If not, you got my number.
6: Well, thank you. I appreciate all the input.
2: Yeah, you bet, Tom. And
6: and yeah, here I I have to. These (laughs) diagnostic things are kind of nice, but they don't tell me the exact problems. That's why I had to call (laughs) you. I really appreciate your show because I listen quite often. So
2: thank you. You bet. All right, we got to take a quick break here. We'll be back after this. All right, we are back. Five, five, eight, eleven, ten are the numbers to get in. I better jump back into the calls. We're getting close to the end of the show here. Let's get everybody taken care of. Steve, you got a question about code scanners. Steve, go ahead. Steve, are you there? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Hello. Yep.
1: Well oh, your guy was looking for a your earlier caller was looking for a scanner that would do the earlier stuff. Uh-huh. I've got a Snap-on ethos that I'd be happy to hook him up with. Okay. It'll it'll do anything up to 07, I believe.
2: Sure. Yeah, I haven't gotten to use that one here yet. But, yeah, Snap-on's always kind of the front runner in these scanners and new equipment and everything.
1: Well, I used to have a shop, and I got out of it about then, and I still got it. But now my vehicle is so new that
4: doesn't work on them anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, they have a shelf life. And some of us hang on to for them, certain. like yeah, I've still got stuff from back in early two thousands that works on the nineties, eighties stuff. Yeah, it's that one car that comes in once a year. Yeah,
1: well, this will do everything up to that. That's it's no good for anything I got now.
2: Sure thing. All right, thanks for the call, Steve. Larry, if you're listening, get a hold of Steve. All right, we got Don next. Don's got a question about vapor lock. John, go ahead. Hello? Yep.
1: Yeah, it's not a question. The problems with vapor locking. I'd just tell him to go get a gallon of diesel fuel, mm-hmm. and each time he's ready to put gas in that vehicle, just put about a quart of fuel in there. Okay. Not not the depth, just the regular diesel, number two. Diesel. Put sure. about a quart in there and then and put your gas in. It'll mix up. It'll help lubricate the system, and uh, I've used it in the past that way. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I've heard of that, or transmission fluid, you know, some yep. heavier-weight oils, yep. things like that. Yeah. Maybe being Eagle able to...
1: fuel is. You know, I've used that. I wouldn't put no more than maybe a pint to a quart in, in each one, just each time it goes to fill up.
2: Sure, yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. All right, thanks for the call, Don. Yeah, fuel additives, stuff like that, I mean... Seems like every time I walk it in the parts store, I mean, that wall gets bigger and bigger and bigger of fuel
3: additives. Yes, it does.
2: I mean, it's all these.
3: Mechanic in the can.
2: Yeah. And there's always the older tricks, you know, like the diesel fuel trick and stuff like that that works just as well, if not better. And, I mean, going through cars, I mean, how many tricks to figuring out different things do we know from... You know, like figuring out why you don't have spark in an old car. Well, then you shut the key off, and you got spark all of a sudden. Or the ignition module is bad, and when you cut ground to it, yeah, yep. it triggers it. I mean, if it hasn't already leaked all its epoxy down the fender. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where we've been and where we are. Yeah, yeah. Electric cars are coming around. We haven't really seen too many of them where we're at, but bigger cities—they're becoming the way to go. California is passing new laws. By the day, from what I hear, you know, their—what do we got? California Air Resources Board is mandated by 2036 all medium and heavy-duty vehicles be zero emissions. That's all your semi-trucks, big construction kind of stuff. I mean, I'm kind of curious to go out there and see kind of what it's— like how they're moving forward to this because 2036, when you think about it, to change— all these large vehicles over. That's a lot
3: to do, and it's a short amount of time.
2: Yeah, and not only that, they're talking about doing that in locomotives, railroad kind of stuff, all the way up to that level. So I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like out there because, I mean, last time I was in California was, well, geez, 1999. So I'm sure it's a totally different ballpark,
3: but yeah.
2: Yeah, all these bigger cities, I mean, EVs are the way to go, and now they're making it to where that is the way. I mean, everything from the locomotive to the garbage truck, semi-trucks, construction vehicles, all electric. Trains, wow. I think of how quiet it's going to be. I mean, if you're into car racing, yeah. imagine NASCAR going all electric. <laughs> <coughs> I mean, every NASCAR race that I've been to, I remember it three days later because I can still close my eyes and hear it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Hear it really good. And yeah, imagine that going all electric. Because, I mean, essentially from what I'm reading here, they're going to have to if they're going to race in California. Yeah. Same with the NHRA, the drag racing guys. I mean, the whole reason you go there is to be knocked out of your seat by how loud and you know crazy these things are and and, you know the smell of nitromethane will never leave your mind once you've (laughs) smelled it you know good bad or otherwise it's like being maced i'll put it that way you never forget it but i mean you get the rubber effect of it because i'm sure these cars are going through the rubber but the noise factor just isn't there i imagine they make some noise i mean what are you thinking I whine. Yeah, like a swarm of bees coming around the yeah. corner for. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're living and learning now. So, yeah, California's like a front runner in this emissions control stuff and mandating electric vehicles, I'm sure. I haven't heard much from the East Coast about this. I mean, all these articles kind of come across our desk every week, and everybody's kind of following, like, what's california doing what's california i mean what's new york doing i mean they got a huge population in a lot smaller area yeah what are they doing there i'll do some research and get back to you next week
3: all the subways gonna be electric i guess they are aren't they
2: yeah yeah we already got that one down not me though i'm not going electric i'm going back to steam power (laughs) yep yep that's my that's my goal that's where i'm headed well it's been another quick hour here carl A lot of fun. Yep, a lot of fun. Well, we'll see you next week. I'm Kyle. I'm Carl. See you then.
3: Good night.
0: When you download the Baker's app, you have easy access to savings every day. Shop weekly sales and get personalized coupons to get the most value out of every trip, every time, whether you shop in-store or online. Download the Baker's app now to save big. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites
2: with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.